and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. This morning's broadcast is a much anticipated and very welcome treat in keeping with the season. The first of four very special Christmas messages by Pastor Robert Elliott. You're invited to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. We will see that the name Jesus means Savior, and that Jesus was in fact virgin-born so that He could save us from our sins. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. Merry Christmas. Matthew 1, 18 to 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." You know, names are important. We waited 11 years in our marriage to have our first child. Joanna was named Joanna because her name means God's gracious gift. Five years later, God blessed us with our son, Jonathan. He was named Jonathan because his name also means God's gracious gift. The name Jesus is most significant. The name Jesus means Savior. Think about it. There in Nazareth, as Jesus grew up from being a little boy, a toddler to a little boy, can you imagine what was heard in Nazareth? Savior, come to dinner. Savior, I need your help in the woodshop. Should we let Savior play with us? Imagine Jesus' name means Savior. Jesus' foster dad, who was not Jesus' biological dad, got a divine interruption. And it was a rather fancy one. It was an angel in one of his dreams. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What a divine interruption. Have you ever experienced a divine interruption? Maybe it was a near-death experience. Maybe it was an unexpected medical diagnosis. Maybe your divine interruption was losing a loved one to death or getting a new and a better job. Or maybe your divine interruption was an unplanned for baby. Divine interruptions remind us that God is real and that he knows best and that he's perfectly aware of everything 
about each one of us. We all have a big choice when we are faced with a divine interruption. It is a choice either to run to God or the choice to run from God. Of course, running to God is something we called faith. And running from God is something we might call anger, insecurity, disbelief. I have done both in my life. I have run to God in faith, and I also have run from God in disbelief, fear, and anger. Probably you've done the same. But the nice thing is that the Lord forgives us even for running away from him if we become sorry for doing so. Some of you know the story of the prodigal son. You know the son who came to his father before father died, obviously, and said, I want my share of the inheritance. And the father broke with custom and culture and gave the lad his inheritance. And he went far away from the farm and he lived in sin and recklessness and spending and he spent all of his inheritance. And then when he was with pigs eating their food, he came to his senses and he came home to his father. And the father ran to meet him, embraced him, kissed him, and had a barbecue for him to say that he was forgiven. And the father in that story of Jesus is a picture of God the Father. And so the good news is, if you have run from God, God is willing to forgive you because of Jesus. Jesus, the name means Savior. And going back to Joseph and Mary, let us see together how Joseph reacted to his divine interruption. I wonder, did he run to God or did he run from God? Well, verse 24, a little later than the verses I've already read, reports this. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I love that. He awoke from his sleep and he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. In other words, he ran to God in faith. The verse goes on, and he took Mary as his wife. That is very cool. Joseph ran to God. Joseph accepted as true a miracle which had never been done before. That a virgin, a medical virgin, would have a baby. It had never been done before. It has never been done since. But Joseph, this plain and ordinary but righteous man, gave room for miracle in his mind and in his heart. I wonder tonight, do you have any room for miracle in your thinking? Do you accept tonight that God is bigger than science, bigger than precedent, bigger than your understanding, or even bigger than your imagination? I ask again, is there room for miracle in your mind and heart? I have found in my life that people without any room for miracle are often people who are sour, often people who lack hope. Well, back we go to Joseph and Mary and baby Savior, baby Jesus. The angel in Joseph's dream, this divine interruption, was kind. He gave Joseph the reason for the divine interruption coming into his life. Didn't have to do that, but he did that. He was kind. And the reason given 
was that this miracle baby was to be named Savior because there was a world full of sinners who desperately needed saving from their sins. Remember the angel said in the dream, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And so here's the deal. There still is a whole wide world full of sinners who need saving from their sins. And that whole wide world includes me. I'm a sinner. And that whole wide world includes each one of you. You are sinners. And we stand together in need of salvation from our sins. In case you doubt that, when he was asked later after his birth, growing up and starting of his public ministry after the age of 30, when Jesus was asked what is required of every human, I'll quote what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, end of quote. I admit it, I woefully fall short of that. And so do you, all of you. Everyone falls short of that. This is why we need saving from our sins. This is why baby Savior, baby Jesus, was sent from heaven to step across the galaxies that he created to come to earth. Jesus, of course, is the only Savior who God has provided. There is no plan B. There is no alternate operating system for the PC of salvation. There are no multiple choices of routes to heaven because Jesus' Savior said this, and I quote, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And that's truth. Because Jesus is truth. Jesus is perfect truth. I have a Christmas devotional I'd like to share with you this morning. It's called Three Trees at Christmas. It's written by Dr. Larry Waters, who is Associate Professor of Bible Exposition at Dallas Theological Seminary. A tree planted by the water, Jeremiah 17, verse 8. Three trees at Christmas. The Christmas tree is often the center of focus during the holidays. We decorate it, place presents under it, and admire its many lights and ornaments. Yet how often do we associate the tree with the real meaning of Christmas? Consider three examples of trees from the scriptures that might help us to focus on the real reason for the incarnation. First, the salvation tree. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Jesus died for the sins of humanity so that the one who trusts in him would be made righteous. Number two, the scorched tree. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert 
and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. A person trusting anyone or anything except Christ is pictured as a worthless, barren tree without nourishment dried up. Number three, the sanctified tree. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. This tree is the believer who is set apart in Christ, producing spiritual, nourishing fruit. This Christmas, as you enjoy decorating the tree and focusing on its beauty, consider these three trees nestled in its shadow. The salvation tree, which is a tree of beauty and redemption and justification. The scorched tree, which is a dry, dead of life without Christ tree. And the sanctified tree, a life that puts Christ at the center of Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful time of the year and for this devotional reminder that there are different kinds of trees that we can be reminded of when we look at our own Christmas trees. Lord, we would desire that we would be salvation trees because of knowing the beauty of your redemption and justification in Christ. Lord, help us not to be scorched trees that reject Jesus and are dry and dead of life without him. Lord, help us to be sanctified trees, trees that are lives that are put under the lordship of Jesus Christ, not only at Christmas, but all the year round. Thank you, Lord, that you will help us in these regards, for we trust you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. It is indeed a pleasure to be able to enter your homes again this morning by way of radio. We are presently in the season of Christmas and Thanksgiving. We would like to share a bit about what we feel Thanksgiving and Christmas should be about. First of all, it's noted that Thanksgiving and Christmas are the most celebrated time of the year in most parts of the world. But it can also be the most stressful time for many. 
What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, thanksgiving is giving thanks to God for his many blessings throughout the year. Christmas, on the other hand, is celebrating God's gift in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus, to be our Savior and Lord. But instead, it seemed that instead of celebrating the Christ of Christmas, we celebrate ourselves, our friends, and things. And this is why so much money are spent and debts are incurred during the Christmas and Thanksgiving celebration. And unfortunately, it seems as if many of us go out of our way to get ourselves in debt. As someone said to me recently, I haven't got through paying for last year Christmas gifts yet, and it's time to purchase again. Sometimes I believe that we live above our means, and I believe that our priority is not what it should be. As usual, in the studio with me this morning is my wife, Helen, and I would like to bring her in at this point and ask her a question from where you are sitting. What has been your experience when it comes to dealing with individuals around this time and what you have experienced over the years? I think um, it's too much spending. Um, like Will Smith uh, mentioned once, uh, people spend money they don't have on things they don't need to please people who they don't really like or care about, but it's a time of just spending and maxing out the credit card and then later on they're frustrated when the collection agencies or the bank statement shows up that you owe so much money on this credit card and you have the mortgage, the car payments, school fees, and you've already spent most of this money trying to please all these people who are probably still very disgruntled and ungrateful about, you know, the gift they receive. And then they end up re-gifting whatever, and you still um, end up with all the debts. And they have a saying around here in our Bahamian society that January is a very long month, but I don't see it as a long month if you budget properly and you plan and say, this is what I can do, and I'm not going to go any further with my spending. So we agree then it's a long month for many because they spend what they do not have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to please people who they sometimes don't, don't even get along even with or don't like, with. but they have to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses get new furnitures. We have to come up and get our furniture too, or we have to party and we have to get drunk, or we have to get all the go to, go um, to Florida and shop, and, and and you know then they end up credit card is maxed out. 
Uh, and not only that, we we tend to give gifts to people who give us gifts. In other words, we give back to those people who gave to us. And sometimes we even give to people who we are expecting to give back to us. But the question is, is that the real spirit of Christmas? No, I, I think it's also looking out for the poor among us and the needy and trying to help them and give them a good Christmas and not just focusing on my friend who can give me a gift back in return. Is reaching out to someone who probably can't even afford a gift, but they are needy, and this will make their Christmas a real blessing. And, and for me, that is what Christmas should be about, reaching out. And I, I would like us to look at this in a little bit more of depth when we, 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 we are back on the air, um, because I believe that our motives are wrong in many cases. Uh, and I can truly say that I remember when I got gifts from many people, and now I can name them on one hand, how many gifts I get. And I'm not missing it because their motives were wrong, because I don't give gifts back to people who can give gifts to me. We will elaborate on this next time in the will of the Lord. Have a blessed day in Christ. I have a Christmas devotional I'd like to share with you this morning. It's called Where to Find Jesus, a Christmas devotional written by Dr. Vic Anderson, Chair and Professor of Pastoral Ministries at Dallas Theological Seminary. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. Where to Find Jesus. Without ever being told, go and find the baby Jesus. The shepherds just knew they had to find him. In their minds, there could be little doubt that they must locate this newborn Messiah. But where? How would they find a tiny baby in the hustle and the bustle of overcrowded Bethlehem? Would he be found in a palace, being admired by kings, governors, and princes? Or maybe they would find him in a synagogue, attended by priests, prophets, and even angels. How would they find the baby? The answer is so surprising. After being startled by the voice of an angel, struck by the glory of the Lord, and rocked by an angelic choir, these shepherds heard that the glorious Messiah would be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. <laughs> The shepherds could not have expected to find their Savior sheltered in a barn and lying in a feeding trough for animals. Yet, in just such a humble place, they would find Jesus. This year, our Christmas lights and glorious anthems will again arrest our attention, as the angelic voices did for the shepherds so long ago. We expect to find Jesus in the bright lights of the Christmas trees and in the pageantry of our celebrations. Yet, we will find Jesus not in these fireworks, 
but in humble acts of service in times of quiet meditation. We find him in the pages of our Bibles and in the folds of our heart. We find him on our knees and in giving a needy person who cannot give back to us. He is found, most surprisingly, in the humblest of places. Seek him there. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your willing humility. We would desire to find you in places of personal humility this Christmas season, that we would slow down to be able to be with you in your word, in prayer, in personal worship, and then to extend our personal worship to corporate worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ in our churches. Lord, forgive us when we have been proud, when we have secretly or overtly delighted in having a bigger Christmas tree or more presents under it or more guests at a party we throw or whatever other ways we might have been proud. Please forgive us for Jesus' sake. And give us that sweet, simple, beautiful humility of the Lord that we would find our meek and mild Savior in the pages of Scripture and in the good works, the service to others, the least of these that you would have for each of us to find and do. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your humble but mighty name. Amen. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior. <laughs>